Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and we just want to thank you and praise you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask that you would take this time and help us to study your word and to learn from it. Lord, encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. To continue in the same uh, vein uh, of worship, and um, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. I want us to look at two passages of Scriptures uh, in the Scriptures tonight, two passages in the Scriptures, and both, I believe, I believe Psalm 119 is written by David, but that, that's uh, not really the uh, utmost uh, concern for us tonight. And uh, we're going to then take a quick look at Psalm 73, uh, which is, a, uh, I was just checking that, a Psalm of Asaph. And uh, we are going to uh, just compare these things and because... Uh, worship is, if you want to know the one thing the devil wants to help us with. I, I preached a sermon on this. I doubt many of you would remember it many years ago. But the devil wants to help you worship God. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. The devil doesn't want us. Well, if the devil helps you, you're not worshiping the God of heaven. Because it's no longer acceptable to God. And the thing that uh, we try to do, and so often, I don't know how often you've had this struggle, but I certainly have, is you set your sights and you say, I want this week to be different than last week. I want to serve God. I, I want, and it's like you just fall flat on your face. Anybody ever had that happen? And then other times it's like, wow, this thing happens automatically. It's just the Lord. And here is, I think, something that will help us a little bit here as we consider this thing of worship. Look in verse 89. We, there are so many verses in this little strophe here, this little section of eight verses uh, that are are. Are, count, are quoted all by themselves. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And, of course, the reason why that is so is because man's chief argument is about what God's words are. Uh, I remember when I was a student in Bible college, they were talking about uh, all of the Hopeful opportunities from the Dead Sea Scrolls as they were just beginning to do some work there. And, of course, the textual people, their main desire was to find evidence that the text from which our King James Bible in was not the original text, was not the standard text. And everything they found pointed to the veracity or the truthfulness and the standardization of the text from which our Bible comes. And how disappointed. I mean, you can just hear it. It's like a news commentator. 
trying to say something bad about our president, and it's actually not so bad. And they're just going, rats, you can hear them. You can just hear it if you listen. And, and the same thing is out there with the world. You have to understand something. If you're going to come to God, what's number one? You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The foundation is settled. God's word is solid. You can rely on it. And then look at the next one. We can look at history. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. You know, this universe in which we live operates so exactly that there's actually been a scientific law introduced called the law of uniformitarianism. I'll take out the big word, take it apart a little bit, that everything has continued exactly as it has for history. Now, if this was a scientific theory put together by people who don't believe the Bible... And the reason is, is because they were trying to exclude God. You know, creation is not uniform. And so they came up with the Big Bang, and then everything happens exactly like clockwork since the Big Bang went off. I like what one preacher said. He said, if blowing something up brings order, then the Middle East ought to be the most orderly place on the face of the earth. Now, shouldn't it? I mean, how many bombs did we drop in Iraq in the last 25 years? I mean, give me a break. It doesn't work that way, does it? But then I think of those Pacific Islands where they detonated the atomic bombs. And today, Bikini Atoll is a tourist destination. You can go actually see and walk on the beach that was literally wiped out by the most powerful atomic detonation ever on the surface of the earth. A 25 megaton blast. That's like 250 or, yeah, 250,000 times Hiroshima and Nagasaki, something like that. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. But it's, it's thousands of times more powerful. And yet, that was 1952. And now people can visit the island and walk in that very spot where all that happened. Isn't God good? This universe and its precision... If you ever want to study something, if you, if you like exact things, if you're one of those, um, what do they call it, obsessive, compulsive people who has to clean everything up, you, you ought to study the sun. Each one of those blasts that power the sun are timed to nanoseconds. And if that were ever disturbed the sun would put itself out before 
the next explosion could happen. And yet it's been given us heat and light. Produces global warming, by the way. Uh, all of those wonderful things. Since God said, let there be a sun to light the day. You see, we can look. Uh, I can't remember which um, European monarch or something was trying. He says, I want proof that the Bible's the Word of God. And one of his counselors there said, I can give it to you in one word. Israel. You talk about the Jewish people. Hey, uh, didn't God make them some promises? You see, you can check this book out. God's Word is settled in heaven, and if you will just look around you, you can honestly see that it's settled here on earth if you'll just have enough sense to open your eyes and believe it. Amen? But what's the next verse? Unless thy law had been my delight, I should have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection. But... Thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now, here's the psalmist here is telling us, he says, The foundation is settled. Thy word, O Lord, is settled forever in heaven. The foundation is sure. God's faithfulness is to all generations. We can see that they continue to this day. The sun, the moon, the universe operates in exact precision as God had set it up. And he said, if I hadn't, unless thy law had been my delights. He said, with this exception, except that the greatest thing in my life had been the laws of God, the affliction that came to me would have taken me away. Do you want protection from all of the crazy that goes on in this world? Even when people who we would expect and understand to do right don't seem to do right. If you want protection from all of that, you've got to get your eyes off the people. Get them on the Word of God. That's what the psalmist, this is the essence of true worship. Because we're going to look at Psalm 73 here in a minute. And Asaph, who was one of the worship leaders of Israel, who was one of the ones that uh, was responsible for these things, got himself into a mess. And yet, God used this thing called worship 
to straighten him out. And the psalmist here says, I didn't get straightened out, but when those storms, when my affliction came, when everything around me snapped loose, it was God's laws. It was the fact that I had delighted in the law of God. That's what kept me. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. You know, one of the most oft-asked questions is it just, why do I have to put up with this? Oh. I mean, I, the, during the election, uh, we had a police officer there, of course, always during the election, and we got talking, and, and I said, let me just ask you a question. I said, uh, I said, have people gotten meaner in New York City in the last couple of years? Just, she said, absolutely. It's unbelievable. I've seen, I said, I thought that was just me. I said, but I, I just feel like things are, uh, people when they drive, they're just getting more vicious. And oh, she said, it, uh, she said, I'm a, I said, I work for the police department. I'm telling you, it's, it's happening. And uh, we live in a world that's getting more and more selfish. Okay, what's it say? I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. You want to have hope in a hopeless world? You better stick with those precepts. They're our life. They're what we are. They're who we are. The, this book called the Bible is everything about us. These words were not meant to be argued by great minds in ivory towers as they sit and contemplate the stars in the universe. These words were meant to be lived in everyday shoe leather by everyday people. David said, they kept me from perishing in my affliction, from being carried away. They give me life. I am thine. Save me. How can you know your gods? I mean, we live in a world where people uh, back when they... Um, had that Supreme Court decision about sodomite marriage and everybody was out there cheering. One of the groups down on uh, in Greenwich Village was singing Amazing Grace, thanking God for the decision of the Supreme Court codifying what the Bible calls an abomination. You see, that's the messed up world in which we live. You get your eyes and your heart on those kinds of things. How can you know your gods if you don't spend time in this book called the Bible? Not everything that is calls itself Christian is Christian, is it? And here's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, I have confidence that I'm yours. I want you to save me. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me. 
I don't know how many people over the years have come to me and said, Pastor, uh, I'm dealing with people who are trying to hurt me and destroy me. Aren't we all? We, we live in a dangerous world. We live in a world full of terrorists who would like nothing better to do than to kill you. If, if you can't deal with that reality, I'm sorry. It's there. That's the world in which we live today. And we have people out there wish, willing and, and desirous. You need to pray for our president. What, what he did today was a great thing. Starting the dismantling of Obamacare. He's doing it through his executive order. That's not the best way to do it, my friend. You need to pray for the feckless Congress that they'll do something. But, listen, here's the answer for the wicked plotters. If they're trying, if they're playing mind games with you, here's the answer. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. Stop thinking about what people are trying to do to you. And get your mind on what God has already done for you. That's your protection. By the way, that's worship. It is giving your attention to God. It is grappling with who He is. It is ignoring everything else. If you want to know how to make the devil mad, really, really mad, worship God without His help. Because... God will accept it. It says, I'm not going to worry about the plotting of the wicked, the bullies. They all want you to be afraid. What have you got to be afraid of? Consider his testimonies. Stop thinking about the devil. Start thinking about God. Amen? And then he says, I've seen an end of all perfection. Now, that phrase is just one of those, wow, that's an incredible statement there. I have seen the end of all perfection. And of course, if we understand the word perfect in the Bible sense, it's in its original sense, it means complete. David, the psalmist here says, I've lived long enough to see the results of life choices. How many have ever heard the story of Howard Hughes? The World War II aviator. Multi, the, I believe he was the first billionaire in the United States. He, he made his money in aviation and then he went and bought half of Las Vegas and made money in casinos. How many of you know how Howard Hughes died? He would not wear clothes because he was afraid someone would poison him 
by injecting toxins into the fibers of the clothes. He was in an airplane, and nobody knows exactly where it was because if it had been in Mexico airspace, there would have been problems with the death certificate, and so the people that were with him refused to divulge, and no one knows to this day where he actually died. He had, they found five broken needles. How many of you have ever had blood taken and they did it wrong? I mean, they stuck that needle in there and started wiggling it around looking for a vein. I mean, that's painful. Imagine breaking off a steel needle in and leaving it there. This was the richest man in the world had five needles they found broken off. He was a drug addict. And he was shooting himself full of drugs because no one would do it for him. And he was doing such a bad job that he had broken needles off in his own body and no one even helped him. How could you die more wretched than that? I don't know how many decades they fought over all the money. But I read an article one time. The only person that got any was the one person that he had cut out of his will and said, I hate this family member above all family members. They're not getting anything from me. They were the only person that actually got any of the the lawyers got the rest. Literally. Over a billion dollars. The lawyers got almost all of it except that one hate. Now, David said... I've seen the end. I've seen the complete lives that people have lived in their choices. How many of you are old enough to agree with that statement? I've lived long enough to see what happens in how people live. What happens to people who live certain ways. Okay, everybody but the teenage, the little children... Understand that statement. And then here's the summation of this little section. But thy commandment is exceeding broad. Your words, your laws, the Ten Commandments, give me more room, broad, wide, I have more freedom in your commandments in choosing the path of life that you have chosen than anything I can see or understand in this world. How many would say amen to that? I agree with the psalmist. You see, you talk about comparative religion. People offer classes, colleges, and things, and What has Buddhism built in this world? We have the country of Nepal is very Buddhist, Sri Lanka, parts of India, some of the most backwards historically, 
uh, in history, some of the most economically backwards, uh, we would call backwaters of this world. How about Islam? Has Islam built anything? Catholicism? Oh, they have one of the greatest libraries in the world in the Vatican City, but nobody can have access to it to look at the things that are in it. Uh, they own more waterfront property in New York City than any other entity uh, the Catholic Church does. They've built great buildings, but Catholic countries... That's why they called it the Renaissance, as Europe threw off the shackles and the confinements of the Catholic Church. And then they adopted a new religion, humanism. And that gave them great artworks and freedom of expression and depravity beyond human imagination. But we have this little country called America... And by the way, compared to the rest of the world, we are a little country. Are we not? And yet we have, what is it, 70%, 80% of the world's wealth is assessed in this little country? How did that happen? It's called freedom. What is that freedom based on? I've quoted this often, over two million laws in the federal statute books, every one of them trying to help you keep the Ten Commandments. I have found thy commandment exceeding broad. Now, we're going to have to hurry here. Why don't you turn with me to Psalm 73, if you would. Now, what we have here is exactly the opposite at the beginning. But he gets straightened out. And this is a psalm of Asaph, one of the song leaders in the temple. And we start off in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. Does that sound pretty close to thy word forever, O Lord, is established in heaven. And it goes on to the faithfulness to the generations. And, and, and uh, so we got about the same start. But verse 2, things take a desperate turn in the wrong direction. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was, what? Envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Doesn't it just feel like the bad guys are winning? Hello? Uh, There is a reward for doing evil in this world in which we live, is there not? I mean, you make lots of money, you have power, and until somebody rats on you, then you lose everything. Uh, really bad for some guy named Weinstein. I had, had no idea who he was until this week. But does that shock anybody? Does anybody like, Wow, I never thought that would happen in Hollywood. And if you don't know what happened, don't worry about it. It's not good. 
You see, Asaph got his eyes off the Lord and started looking at all the things that the world promised and the world had. It always looks like the bad guys are winning. But I, you, you can go on and read all of those things. And uh, verse 11, And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? I mean, we have people that trumpet, God is dead! Uh, that, that may be true of your God, but not of mine. Amen? Because He ever lives. And uh, then they made some movie, I think, that's dumber than the rest. God is dead in big letters and a little knot in the middle. And they're supposed to prove that God is... Listen, don't don't go to Hollywood for your morality. Amen. Uh, if you want to learn what love is about, don't watch Hollywood movies. If you want to know about God, don't go to Hollywood. Uh, everything they have is rotten and corrupt. But if Asaph were alive today, he would have said, I got watching too many Frank Capra movies. It's a Wonderful Life. and I mean, they're good movies, but they're not real. Hello? But look at verse 16. Oh, let's do. Um, let's start in verse thirteen. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Here's what Asaph's saying: I, Is it worth the effort to try to live a real Christian life in this world? Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have asked that question? We have so much compromise and so much just giving in to the world. And that's where Asaph was. And then in verse 15, If I shall say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He said, I begin to think about this, and if, but if I give up, where are the little ones going to be encouraged to continue serving the Lord? He said, I knew something was wrong with this picture. Uh, I, I was just all messed up in my mind. I know if I kept going where I was going, I'm going to offend those little ones. I'm going to cause that next generation to give up on serving God. And verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I mean, I was just hurt. And nothing that I could do would stop the hurt. Until... Until, verse 17, until, where did he go? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Now some people, I remember when I was a kid in the church, I was doing something. 
don't run in the sanctuary. I thought I was in church. <laughs> and, and I tried to be very careful. I call this the auditorium. <laughs> this is the meeting space. This is not the sanctuary. The sanctuary is where God lives. If you're saved, there's one inside. The temple at Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, was the sanctuary. That's where God met man at a blood-sprinkled mercy seat. You know what that is? What is meeting with God? Worship? Are we together? Hello? Go like this. If you don't understand, I can start over. He said, until I worshipped God, my mind was a mess. I was thinking and looking at all the things that I could see. And everything looked bad for our side. It always looks like the devil's group is winning. And those that want to cut corners, and those that want to do, I remember on the campus of my Bible college just watching that battle be raged. I was there on the campus. That was actually after I graduated the night that they had the big discussion and finally turned their back on the King James Bible. I didn't even go in the meeting. I had no heart for it. I was sick. It's like, I can't believe that this crowd is winning the debate and that our guys are just laying down and letting this happen. Well, they weren't laying down and letting it happen. They were praying. Just a few years later, Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College moved to Oklahoma City and became Heartland Baptist Bible College. They hadn't won. It just looked like they had. It, it ter- it's, it's sad to me. We had 600 students in my uh, freshman class. But in my, my pastor, Kevin Folger, they had over 1,200 in his freshman class. Had 2,200 students on campus in 1976. I don't think they have 200 on campus today. You see, I went into the sanctuary. And when I started looking at God, all of those things that were so painful to me, people doing wrong and getting away with it, etc., etc., begin to realize that God was still in charge. And that if I'm going to have protection, I need to go back to Psalm 119, verses 89, 
through. If you find yourself here in Psalm 73, get back to Psalm 119. Amen? You see, he, he got it. Uh, where, where was it here? Verse 21, Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reign. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. You see, what I've titled tonight's message is simply this. Contrast in worship. Psalm 119, he had some terrible things he was describing there, did he not? The wicked were plotting against him. The affliction that came to him was so violent and so terrible, he said, surely I would have perished except one thing. I was connected with those precepts. He said, I've been around the block a few times. I've seen the end of those lives of people that claim that they have everything. He said, I'm going to stick with the commandments. Now we come over here to Psalm 73, and Asaph said, I know God's good. I know He's true, and He's righteous, and He's never failed. But I sure was in a mess. Because I took my eyes off Him. And started putting on all, and I couldn't get my head cleared till I went into the sanctuary. And he ends it with, "It's good for me to draw close to God." Could I challenge you? It's good for you to draw close to God. It's good for you to put all these things aside. But there's a purpose for worship. See, this is where the Pentecostal charismatic people stepped out of line and have wandered so far afield. They thought worship was for their own excitement and their pleasure. And worship isn't for your excitement and your pleasure. Worship is so you can tell people how good God is in your life. You know, that's something that we tried to accomplish a little bit of in our 24th anniversary now, wasn't it? Now, I have to be honest, I haven't read all the notes, but I'm reading them. And every one that I have read has blessed my heart incredibly. You know why? Because people were talking about God's work in their life. And that's what we've tried to make this church about from day one. How many of you remember uh, Saturday night? How many of you are here Saturday night? That was an amazing service, was it not? And the devil was fighting. I mean, the whole thing was parked up. You You couldn't even get in on Sunday morning. 
there were some distractions there. I got under conviction. I got, I allowed myself to get distracted just a little bit. How about you? And that was the difference between Saturday night and Sunday morning, I think. Could I challenge you as a church, mostly members here tonight? Could we strive to draw close to the Lord before you get here Sunday morning so that we could be ready to worship Him together? And I promise you there's going to be some bad things that happen here. I think there's a street fair on Broadway, so get ready. The parking is going to be insane. But what did what did he say in Psalm 119? The wicked have plotted against me, but I'm going to consider thy precepts. If the, the if thy law had not been my delights, I surely would have perished in my affliction. Can we try that? Amen? There's just some things that hurt. You can't get rid of it. Until you go into the sanctuary. Then there's this thing called the presence of God and nothing else matters. And all God's people say. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us in our worship. Lord, I can't help but think of the letter to the church of Philadelphia. And Lord, I I believe we qualify for that church in every way. We, We have a little strength. Lord, we're trying by God's grace, to keep your word and lift up your name and be true to those things that you have taught. And so, Lord, we ask for that open door. And we ask that our worship would be acceptable in your sight. And Lord, that you would help us to discipline our thought process and our hearts and our minds and let us truly Delight in your laws and consider your precepts. And Lord, find that exceeding broadness that is in your commandments. It's amazing how much freedom there is in the narrow way. Lord, we need your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, as we normally do, we'll have the piano play.